Hello everyone, just want to let you guys know that sponsors of this podcast will also get a shout out on LICMC Radio, or you can get a regular spot depending on how much you would like to sponsor. If you're interested in sponsoring and getting a shout out on LICMC Radio, you can email cbiztv at yahoo.com for details. That's C-B-I-Z. TV at yahoo.com for details. And there's also more information in the description. Thank you guys for listening and thank you for your support. Hey, this is Irene. I've been waiting for you. Thank you for joining me, mixing it up with me right here on the mix. You're listening to CBiz Media. All right, everybody, welcome, welcome. This is CBiz Media. We have an amazing guest for you guys to hear today, Mr. Joseph P. Langdon. How you doing, Joseph? I'm doing fantastic, sister. Mama, I made it again. <laughs> yeah, I've been seeing you around doing a lot of great things. And the first time I saw you was on a, on uh, with T. Nicole, the Driven Show. Shout out to her. T. Nicole, that's my and, sister right there. Yeah, so you were on fire on that show. And I know that everybody was paying attention to what you were sharing and your message. And we're glad to have you on here at CBiz Media. And I've been kind of checking out you know, the different things you're, you're doing and following you. And I like the environment you have set for your for your own podcast and your own show. And just how you have a lot of different walks of life on there. And you just make them welcome. You make them feel like it's home. You just have a good vibe and what you're doing in the community. And you have a compelling story. You have a book. So we want to hear more about that, more about you. So can you share more about who is Joseph P. Langdon? Man, listen, y'all. Now, I got to say, I'm a little comedian, y'all. I take life as everyday moments. I just know that now that, you know, for so many years, I took things for granted. So now I'm just full of life, full of enthusiasm, and just great to be here, free, liberated, and I give all praise to God, right? Let me make that clear. I give all praises to God. My situation is somewhat like the normal stories in the ghettos of New York City, as well as all across America, right? What we see is a poverty mindset. What we see is the elders who are in our communities, where we consider our role models, our drug dealers, thugs, and people who get over on people. Not saying that's every single situation. Of course, I have phenomenal people in my life. But for the most part, I was more attracted to the underground opposed to the people who was giving me the light, right? So coming up in Brooklyn, Brownsville, I was in every form of incarceration you could think of. Juvenile, group home, foster homes, juvenile uh, penitentiaries, all the way up to full grown prison. But in my younger years, what was really influencing me was the people that I was around, my community, despite that I had a phenomenal mom and still have a phenomenal mom and a great stepdad who's been with my mom for the last 40 years. So, of course, coming on the projects is usually like broken homes and stuff like that. You know, that is the stereotype. But for me, I can't use that for excuse because I had a loving mother who worked um, 24-7 at Brooklyn Development Center as a supervisor, as well as my stepfather, who's a retired psychiatrist. You know what I mean? So I can't use 
a broken home and things of that nature um, to tell my story it would be a dis um, credit to my family, my mother and my father who, who sacrificed so much for me. So I just wanted to start off by saying that. Um, so, because you know, vast majority of the people we hear, I'm up on drugs, I'm up on drugs. These are the typical stories we hear that people publicize, opposed to saying, hey, you know, I had a good mom, good this, good that. We blame everything on everybody else. So I want to first take accountability for all of the things that I've done because I did do everything that they said I've done. So I just wanted to make that clear. I'm okay, can I just break in for a second? So what yeah. do you think attracted you to that type of lifestyle, those type of people, that environment? What was really attracting you to that? Well, you know the very trite saying, hurt people hurt people, right? So that's what happens in our communities. Once I walked out my door, I was around a lot of broken hearted, broken people, you know, like people that didn't have the same fortune a fortunate settings that i have might have had a mother on drugs might have had a father on drugs even though my real biological father was on drugs but he passed away when i was young so i never really was exposed to it in terms of him he was very young but what really galvanized my attention to the streets i would say is that you know good kids who have those type of situations once they walk out their door is a whole different scenario you have to survive you have to worry about the bullies you have to be down you want to be cool um because that's what happens in our communities unfortunately and that was my problem i, I wanted to be down with the people in my neighborhood opposed to listening to the people that was giving me the right information and that was ultimately what grabbed my attention i was i was i was attracted to the gunshots i was attracted to watching people make fast money and i must say um you know, since I was a kid, I watched people steal, rob, and take. So it was an indoctrination. I was indoctrinated with that concept. So I was all in, if that if that answers your question. Yes, it does. It just made me think about our environment. And even when you were coming up to now, it's just like the music. Um, I, won't, I won't blame the music, but, you know, hip hop, you know, society, the environment is just like, this looks good. This is like it makes you entice it makes you want that lifestyle it so really i can understand what you're saying with that and then if you were connected with a group of people that were you know all wanting that same thing and hungry for that lifestyle mm-hmm. then i can see why you rode in that direction yes yes it's very it's very alluring and i want to say to a lot of the parents out there the mothers, the fathers, even the brothers and sisters who are um, intimate with their brothers and sisters and their siblings, right? That you have to keep your eyes open. You have to be alert to what your, you know, their skill sets is and their purpose because a lot of times we ignore that, right? And what I mean by that, when I was younger, you know, I always wanted to rap. I always was good with my mouth, like words, putting words together. But I never really had my parent or a parent to invest in that, to be able to look at that and say, oh, maybe this is his purpose. Maybe the microphone, maybe, you know, surroundings of a studio. Maybe we get him a little mic, give him a little studio, give him a little bit of this to add on. Maybe that'll keep him out the street. So it's very imperative that parents pay attention to what their children are doing while they're young, right? To see their skill sets because your children will tell you what they want to do. It's ultimately up to us to make sure we provide the services for them to you know tap into the higher self you know agreed and i know we're also an issue that we have in our community and society is the parents that are working and especially even though you have both parents but especially those mm-hmm. single parent homes where the parent yeah. is just constantly working and there's no time much time at all to even spend with your child and really connect with them and see what they need so it's just like you just push little tommy out the door go to school <laughs> And exactly. you don't see them until dinner time, even if that. So, 
um, that's the environment that young people have to work in. So you really do have to pay attention to your child and take that quality time. Because I, I know it's hard out here. You work in, yeah. you're in the workforce, you know, but it's really important to take that time with your child because they say the children are our future. And that's like, that's a real thing. Yeah. That's absolutely right, Miss. So, do you still rap today? Well, what I have learned to do, you know, because like I did. So, let me let me tell you how this all unfolded uh, without skipping the beat. So, like I was telling you, I was incarcerated my whole life, juvenile for some group homes, things of that nature. So, I was always like poetic. I always wrote poems since I was younger. I always was able to articulate myself in a way that moves people, you know, with clarity, like the emotions. I always had this gift, but I didn't know what it was. I thought it was just rapping and just, you know, something I picked up in the neighborhood. I um, didn't realize later, years later, that I was just a messenger of God, like m- most of us, most of us, right? So I still like to say this. What I do now, I knew when I would get out of prison after 22 years in prison, I couldn't be a rapper, right? You know, unless I had like, you know, LL Cool J fan club, you know, lick my lips and all that type of stuff, you know? I mean, I knew, I knew, I knew, I, you know, I know 40, 41, I was at the age of 41 when I got out. So I knew it was kind of hard to kind of like tap into that genre, right? So what I did was I elevated my mindset and I converted my raps, my poems into the speaking business, right? Motivational speaking. And um, thankfully, I met some phenomenal people along the way that allowed me to transform my rap skills into my motivational speaking. So I do it the same way. It's all the same thing. It's all about moving the people and giving somebody something that um, they can want to get off their feet and jump up and down, you know? So that's what I use my um, skills for now. So just to push the people uh, forward and inspire them to do better than what they used to do, you know? Awesome, awesome. I like the way that you were able to convert those skills into what you need to do today. Yeah. So, so is there anything else further that you want to get deeper into your story? Of course, of course. The story is all about, first and foremost, Joseph P. Lane, which is my name, a.k.a. the underdog coach. I go by that moniker because I learned how to turn underdogs into top dogs using five basic strategies, which is communication, self-motivation, leadership, fortitude, as well as the execution. These five basic principles allow me to become the embodiment of success at this present moment. As I said, I did 22 years in prison, but I've been out here for two years. And for the last two years, I've been able to, you know, like publish my book from the sandbox to the cell block. I've been able to start my own business, which started off first as Joseph P. Lane, the enterprise. Then as my um, horizons broadened and I started networking internationally, um, I started realizing that I had to change my brand into a rich mindset, going from a poor mindset to a rich mindset. Because a lot of people coming from our communities, when I say our communities, I'm speaking about the poor black, brown, and even white communities. We're talking about the poverty, the downtrodden, people of that um, like mine, where, you know, all across their neighborhood, all they see through a hundred block radius is drugs, thugs, and, you know, whatever they conceive to be success. So what I'm trying to do with my mission and my vision that was given to me, Epiphany, I'm trying to show people that you will go from nothing to something, utilizing different spectrums, different genres, different cultures, different races, and different people who was absolutely down and out. You could kick them and you could just write them off. But somehow they figured out a way to defy the odds, not only defy the odds for themselves, but able to transform it and show other people step by step who might also wallow in that same situation, how they could get up and rise up out them shallow graves that they dwell in. So I definitely want to make sure that 
we all realize that we have an untapped potential within us. We have gifts, skills, and talents that nobody knows but you. And the thing is, we forget about who we are. We get caught up in this limelight. We want to be down with this, down with that. And we don't take time to get our spiritual richness intact. In, in spiritual richness first. And then the physical richness will come. So we got it back with. So I just want to let people know my, my journey is no different than your son, your daughter, your brother, your uncle, or maybe your father who might have been through this or might be going through this or soon will go through this. And ultimately, all I want to do is help them dream bigger than the small dreams that I had when I was a youth because it took me 43 years to learn all this information through trial and error. But I'm trying to show it to my young brothers and sisters all across America and worldwide, how they could take what I've learned in 43 years of experience, a hard pain and labor, and they could take it, analyze it, become analytical and definitely replicate what we're doing now, which is thinking big, learning and knowing that we all have a purpose and not just like give our life to the streets for something in return would be nothing but a jail cell or a graveyard. So I definitely want to emphasize that because that is vital. That is my goal. That is my whole reason why I breathe, why I wake up every day is to make sure the next generation, if I can salvage one, two, three, four, five of them from going through the plight that I had to go through, I, I feel that I've, I've done my job, you know? Hey Amen. You said a lot. So you all about motivating, positivity, light, showing the light, and just also learning those skills and finding yourself and your purpose. Working on that spirit man first, and that's one thing that the world doesn't tell you, that that's, that's what the foundation is, the spirit man, and finding your purpose and your connection with God. And then from there, you could take off and you could do a lot of great things. Now, I want to get your information. I mean, how could we be out here supporting you and what you're doing? What could we do to support uh, Joseph P. Langdon and your whole movement and everything you're doing? There's a different, um, so many different outlets you could reach me as. Um, first and foremost, you could reach me as you know on social media, Joseph P. Langdon. I'm on every major social media in terms of that name. I go by my name. For so many years, I went by a state number. So what I did was LLC my name and took advantage of all those liberties that we all should take advantage of, which is being independent. So I just want to say that you can also reach me at the underdogs coach at iCloud.com. Let me say that again. Underdogs coach at iCloud.com. We're trying to demonstrate what you were speaking about. I want to I want to go back to that. We are teaching these things, but we're being practical, right? We know and understand that there are steps and stages to go to, to, you know, to be able to be successful. And first and foremost, you have to be somebody they can identify with. Somebody that people could say, hey, you know what? If you've done it, I've done it. Can't be a narcissist. You have to be transparent. You have to reveal these things about yourself. So I just want to be um, clear in what I'm saying. If there's somebody, you know, that you might have in prison, somebody that just came out of prison, drug addiction, um, domestic violence, it doesn't matter. We, we, what we realize is that prison isn't just bars, but they are invisible scars that could be seen by only those who've been wounded, right? So um, definitely reach out to us. Like I said, the underdog coach at iCloud.com. I'm on every major social media, Joseph P. Langdon. Um, and I would definitely be um, open-minded and receptive to helping you become a better version of yourself as well. Awesome. Thank you. Oh. You want? I wanted to get you to say, you know, how we can help you, mm -hmm. and how we can support you. But I feel like you just telling telling the audience, you know, that how you can help us. So I appreciate that. You kind of 
flipped it back and mirrored it back. Like, yeah, because I re- I have a coaching course that's coming out in September. Um, I'm a part of the Les Brown Platinum Award winning committee with um, Kareem R. Ellis. Um, I am also a Toastmaster um, certified with Toastmasters International. I have my CC competency communication license. Made it all the way up to the silver. There's only one level left, which is the gold. Um, so what we're doing right now is showing people that you can go through these breakthroughs because for the vast majority of us, we don't realize that we're just one step away from success or just one step away from a jail cell, right? So it's imperative that those who've been through it can show you, have the receipts, have the proof, the black and white to say, hey, you know, I was in this mindset at one time. Um, God gave me the ability to change my mindset. Not only that, but he also gave me the ability to write these principles down so I can help you change yours as well, right? So that's what we're talking about. Uh, for those who realize the difference between those who are here to serve the people and those who are to be um, applauded by the people. I'm not here to be applauded by the people. I'm here to serve the people and I want to serve them correctly. I'm just letting them know that we've all been through some you know, drama, but guess what? We're here now. Let's make it happen. All right. Thank you. Thank you, Joseph. Thank you. I want to go back. I want to go back to your days being in the prison system. Um, we talk a lot about relationships. We have a, a number of episodes where we kind of focus on relationship. So I wanted to ask you, as far as I know, you shouted out your family mm-hmm. and told us how great environment you you uh, grew up in. Yeah. Did you see any changes in your relationships? Did they shift? I mean, of course they're going to shift if you're in prison. There's going to, you can't have the same connections. It's not as mm-hmm. close. But what kind of changes did you see when it came to relationships from your from your family, your friends? Like, what did you see while you were there? Well, I, I want to say this, right? See, no one understand, like, once, once you get into a prison and you're young, right? You don't see things for what they are, right? You only see them things for what you want them to be, which can be an illusion, delusion, whatever, right? So when I was on the streets, I didn't really have a strong relationship with my family because I was running this, you know, in the ground and the thug life, gang banging with the drug dealers and all of these different things, right? So I didn't have no time to really establish relationships with my family because I was more on the streets than with them. So when I got incarcerated, it was then when I realized how important relationships are with your mother, your brothers, your sisters, because those people are not here forever, you know? So I think for me personally, by me being realistic and accepting the things that I've done that my family didn't do it, that I've done it to myself, I was able to heal a lot more. So I would say that my relationships, I actually just talked to my mom yesterday. Uh, she's about to come see me real soon. Like I think like next week. So we have a phenomenal relationship. It's actually stronger now than it was then. And that's just based on me, though. Um, it's every individual have to look at these circumstances and say, hey, you know, what? how am I going to look at my life? Am I going to cherish these things? Or I'm just going to say, hey, you know, I don't care about nothing, right? And unfortunately, for those who feel that way, they're being doing 22 years like I did. So my relationships have been strong. I also learned how to love black women by being incarcerated. I started reading books about like Assaulted Shakur, Angela Davis. And these women you know kind of like made me start loving black women because you know when you're 19 18 you know you hit a whole thug this that you know twerk this you know all that stuff so you are kind of like you know indoctrinated with that concept but once i got inside the prison and i looked at relationships i looked at love i looked at family i'm not gonna lie i started appreciating them more so i think prison really kind of enhanced 
my awareness of love, life and liberty and family. So it definitely helped me a lot. But for some people, it tarnishes it. It it decimates relationships because, you know, a lot of people don't know how to deal with you while you're in prison. So I say that once again, it goes to the individual. The individual have to learn how to appreciate and recognize um, all God's blessings. And that's what I was able to do. So my relationships is intact. I have great family, I have great friends. They got my back. And um, so I'm grateful, you know. So did you did you keep up with any of those people that were out in the streets you were running with? Like, did you do you still have any connections with them or did that drop off or did that change and alter into something else? Let us know a little bit about that. Well, for, for, this is definitely an answer that I want to make sure I emphasize to the parents out there so they can translate this information to their children. Um, for all of those people that I was running the streets with, none of them was able to help me in no kind of way when I was incarcerated. Not because they didn't want to, it's because they didn't care. See, people in that life only care about you and for what you can do and what you're willing to do. Let me say that again. People in the street life only care about you for what you're willing to do and what you will do. So once you're no longer around, what happens is they find another you, right? You're not that important. So um, I want to say to all them young kids out there, you know, you're running with your crew right now. You're running with your gang, 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 all that, right? But when you find yourself in those traps, when you find, and when that's why they call them a trap, because it's a trap waiting for the police to come to get you, right? That's why it's a trap, right? They're just waiting on you to make one mistake so they come get you. But when you're in them traps and you find yourself in a prison trap, the only people who's going to be there for you is your mother and your family. It ain't going to be your friends. So if that's what you believe, you might as well get that out your mind now. None of my friends were there for me. Um, I deal with none of them now. Definitely not now because I'm in a different space. Um, but I do reach out to the prisons, a lot of the comrades and friends that I was in there with who have great qualities and on their way home, um, who has something to contribute to society. So I definitely highlight the accomplishments so they don't look like they are a part of the problem anymore and they get an opportunity to come out here and share their experiences. So um, in terms of that, I do stay in contact with my brothers and sisters incarcerated. Um, a whole lot of them, but for those who I wasn't when I was on incarcerated, they was on the streets who did nothing for me. No, I don't, I don't, I don't deal with them. I'm not because I'm mad at them, anything like that. Because I'm not. I learned how to hold myself accountable. Um, I'm the one who put myself in them circumstances. So I just look at it like this: some people were here for a reason, and some here for a season. You know. I got you. I feel that. Thank you for sharing that information. Explanation was really good. I think. Um, a lot of people can connect with that and relate to that. So I really do appreciate that. So while you were there, what was it that just made your mind shift to like, okay, was it like a shock? Okay, I'm in the system. I want to get out. What was it that made you shift? Like, you know, I want to kind of change my ways, change the game. Like, what was it? Well, was it, it, def- a- it definitely wasn't. It definitely wasn't the prison system that did it. As I was telling y'all early in the conversation, um, I've been incarcerated my whole life, juvenile, force home, group homes, everything you you can name it. I could claim it, so I was already desensitized from the experience of juvenile. So it was just another prison to me, right? At that time, um, unfortunately, that's how we think in our communities. We're willing to do uh, fifty years in prison for two years of success, right? <laughs> it's crazy, but um, for me. I was still in there gang banging. I was involved with gangs. 
I was, you know, one of the leaders of the gangs, not just involved with the gangs. I was one of the leaders of the gangs. I was running around, stabbing people. I'm not intentionally or on purpose. Just it's a very trite saying when you come from our communities. When I say our communities, poor brown, black and white communities, um, light skinned people. Yeah, we racist even in our communities, right? Light skinned people, you better not drop the soap in jail. So I already was under this conception that, yo, man, people rape people in jail, all these crazy things that you hear about in prison, which are not true, right, by the way, right? But I went in there with that mindset so i was basically willing to kill before i let somebody kill me and that was a part of my mindset i must say for around mm, uh, 15 years of my sentence and then i met this brother named kareem r ellis who is a, a protege of uh, les brown he speaks with les brown he has a weekly show with Les brown he happened to come into a prison law story short um, he wasn't coming here for me. He was coming here to be an inspiration to some others. God put me in his direction. I walked right up on him. I had a knife on me, a, a cell phone, all types of stuff. Like I was breaking the rules then. Like I said, um, what happened to me is miraculous. So when he, he seen me, he said, hey, man, come in this class. I went in this class, kind of find out. I didn't know who Les Brown was. I didn't know who Kareem Ellis was. I didn't know what motivational speaking was. I didn't know enough about none of that stuff. All I knew was gang bang, throw that Jeezy on. Throw that Jeezy, you know, I could tell you what that is, right? But I couldn't tell you who Les Brown was. So he um, told me that I had a story and that I had gifts, skills, and talents within me that nobody else can see but myself and God, right? And he told me to go to Toastmasters. I happened to get transferred to another prison. I did everything he did. And I held his business card for five years. When I come home, um, I started my own business. Um, I wrote my own book. And then I reached out to him, kind of finding out this man was an international speaker worldwide with Les Brown that is all these phenomenal things all across the country. Um, and he gave me, he brought me to his master class. He, he taught me the ins and outs of the business. GPS should speak success. And from that day, I've been um, on my mission. Uh, my vision is clear. And what that is to be able to help those who've been through any type of incarceration. It, has, it doesn't have to be prison. It could be domestic violence. It could be drug addiction. It could be financial, um, you know, um, problems. It could be, you know, you're not being able to get over that breakthrough, whatever the case may be. I believe that my five basic principles that also align with relationships, because that's very vital when you were speaking out the relationships. That's why I was able to come out here a better version of myself, because I knew that I used to burn bridges. Now I want to build them. I want to establish great um, relationships so I can always go back to these people and say, hey, I have this, I have this, I have this. Can you, do you believe in what I got going on? And um. That's how it works in these days. You got to you got to align yourself with the right people. You got to change your mindset. So I went from thugging, gang banging, drug dealing, all those different things to becoming an entrepreneur, a beacon of hope and a role model as well. And I accept that responsibility of as a role model because, you know, um, that's what it's all about. Learning and giving back. All right. So we're talking about relationships now at this part of our interview and uh one of our most important relationships besides from from my personal opinion besides my relationship with God yeah the relationship with yourself is like mm. the most important relationship so can you kind of let us know what your relationship is like with you now and what was it like then just kind of juxtapose those two against each other great word juxtapose I love that word it's one of my favorite words but I, I, I tell you I learned that word I said wow you know Side by side, laid together, right? So this is what I would say. My relationship with myself and my embryonic stages of my existence when I was a kid, teenager, things of that nature, even up to my early 20s and things of that nature, right? 
I had the concept of get rich or die trying. Let me say that again. See, 50 Cent made it worldwide and all that, but we've been living that, right, before he even came out on a record. Um, this, is, this is the connotation that is transmitted in our communities. Get Richard Dodd trying. So, like I said, I was desensitized. I couldn't feel nothing. I had no empathy. I couldn't comfort no one. I, I was a thief, a liar, and everything you could think of, right, um, at my young, early ages. So I have to say my relationship with myself was unhealthy. It was extremely unhealthy. And then once I start becoming conscious, and when I say conscious, I start reading. I start studying myself because I was in a situation where I had nothing but time. And I didn't want the time to do me, so I wanted to take advantage of it. And then I start realizing that I was beautiful. And then I start realizing that I could turn an ugly situation into something beautiful, right? And I start going deep into myself. And I said, yo, listen. I don't want to get out of prison and just be known as someone who did 22 years in prison, juvenile, this was a failure. So I started falling in love with myself and how I was able to do that. I started taking care of myself. I started brushing my hair more. I started getting in the mirror more and started looking at myself. And when I looked in the mirror, I didn't see nobody else. At first I used to see like DMX, Tupac, Biggie. I see all these different, you know, faces when I looked in the mirror. I didn't know who I was. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> just mad different people looking at me. Which one am I? Baby, baby. Uh, you know, hit a book. I didn't know who I was. Just I'm telling you, I, you know, I was everybody, right? And then one day I looked in the mirror and I wiped it. And I see my freckle face on the person I used to hide from my freckles and my big bushy eyebrows and big nose that everybody used to laugh at. And I start loving it. I said, oh man, my nose ain't bigger than this one though. Somebody else got a bigger nose than me. Oh, somebody else <laughs> eyebrows bigger than mine. Somebody head bigger than mine. You know what I'm saying? And then that's when I realized, yo, you got something. God would not just put you here on this earth for you to still stay in the same state of mind that you was when you was 15. How could this be? That's no evolution there. There's no growth there. So I realized that, yo, how am I able to fall in love with myself? And start working on myself. I start learning about LLCs. The thing about um, increasing your value and increasing your self-love, you have to start doing things. You have to start accomplishing small little goals, right? And then when you start seeing it work, you're going to be like, oh, I'm the, I'm the, ooh, I'm that guy. I'm that girl. I'm doing it. And then you'll hear people start saluting you for your consistency. And ultimately, that's what gave me the confidence to believe that I am not the same person I used to be. That's what did it for me. All right. So we want people to get your book. You gave us a lot today, uh, but the book I know will fill in so much more information. So if mm -hmm. they get your book, tell us a little bit about the book and what what they can expect from it. And then also um, where they can get the book. Okay. So now the book from the sand block to the cell block a story of struggle, oppression, and redemption. I wrote this book when I was incarcerated amongst three other books. This was the first one I wrote. I consider it to be my memoir because I told the truth. I even say things that, you know, a lot of my family members probably wish I didn't say, but I said it anyway because ultimately, if you're trying to change the world, you got to tell them that you was broken as well. Um, nobody can relate to perfect people, you know? <laughs> like, there's no perfect people. It's more right. relatable to be imperfect so I show my flaws um, everything that I've been speaking about on this podcast at this very moment it's all in my book 
dish black and white proof receipts of all of the things that I was doing and how I was able to go from one mindset to another. Um, the story definitely represents how I fell in love with black women because I started reading books about other black women. Then I realized I didn't even love my own mother. Um, so I had to go back to the basics and say, yo, how can I love these women? Don't love my own mother. So I had to go back and love my mother better. Right. And that's what I've been able to do. And that is what my book is about. It tells the story of juveniles going in and out of incarceration. It speaks about people who lost their mind inside these prison walls, just wallowing in these cesspools. And just one day they don't even have the sanity anymore. It speaks about how, you know, the violence in prison, the gangs in prison and how, you know, ultimately man so many people in there don't even get the opportunity to tell their story you know because they put you in these far remote prisons forever so this book is definitely a learning lesson it's a guide i would say a blueprint for what not to do <laughs> it's a blueprint once again for what not to do um to land you in a situation that i was in like for 22 years of my life in prison and also i, I definitely want to demonstrate this um, it's, I have a lot of poems in there that I wrote while I was incarcerated. And these poems has a vibration and energy of upliftment and empowerment. I mean, just giving my love and respect to my ancestors, those who came before me, who also went through prisons and the most horrific circumstances, but defied the odds, you know? So um, all in all, it's definitely a transformation um, guide. It's, uh, it's very violent, y'all. It's very graphic, uh, I must say. There's nothing about this book that's play play This is for real So if you want to be entertained with some realistic things And see a person um, go through his pooper stage And transform from the caterpillar to the butterfly I assure you this is a page turner um, I got five stars on Amazon right now and That's where you can purchase it at um, There's so many different people who left reviews up there um, You know, speaking about my story of pain and glory You know, and, and once again, this story isn't about me It's about how we could prevent the next me, you know Yes, yes. Thank you so much for being a guest with us here today on CBS Media. So do you have just some final words to share with the audience before you go? Of course, I always have something to say. I'm a professional speaker and I speak um, so much. When I was younger, my mom used to tell me to shut up. Now she knows why I was speaking so much. She realized God gave me a gift, right, to tell the truth, nothing but the truth. But I had told y'all earlier about the very trite saying of her people, her people. But once I realized that I was over hurting people, I came to the conclusion that now heal people can heal people. And that's what we do when we get on these platforms, whether it's me, whether it's Miss Irene, whether it's another brother, another sister who's telling you a story, knowing or understand these stories are not meant to, you know, highlight ourselves or put us on some type of pedestal. Um, we're definitely, and I can speak for myself, we're definitely trying to share with the world that you can go from one mindset to another here i was in prison all my life juvenile post on group homes 22 years in prison now i'm a business owner speaking with kareem r ellis i was just on a les brown um tv network just a couple days ago um, i'm dealing with the youth of my community i'm doing plays i'm doing so many different things and once again i, I give all the credit to god and all the credit to those who give me an opportunity to share my story to empower our people so they too can be a success story, you know? Thank you. And thank you, everybody. Reach out to Joseph P. Langdon, support him and what he's doing. And we'll be sharing all the information about him in the description of this episode. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Joseph.
Love you guys. God bless. Bye.